Good morning. Whoa, that was loud. My name is Matt Wilson. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it is an honor to be with you this morning. Today we are looking at uh, the second stream or tradition or way of the six streams and traditions that we find in Christianity, in Christian tradition. Last week, we spoke of or deep presented to us the contemplative tradition, the, the way of meditating on, of considering, of wrapping into our lives not only the Word of God and prayer, but also the world around us, that these reveal who God is and who we're called to be in God. Today, we look at the sacramental tradition which is most closely associated with the Greek Orthodox and Roman Catholic tradition and denomination within Christianity. The uncomfortable thing about the sacramental tradition is that if you're not born or raised into it, it can feel at times a little boring. There was one time um, in youth group where for an entire year, the, the space between our worship set and when I did uh, teaching, we spoke the Lord's Prayer. We repeated it together every Tuesday. And after the end of that year, uh, several of the students came to me and said, we love the Lord's Prayer. It's amazing. It's so special to us, but when we say it every single week, it's lost its meaning. It's lost that special quality because we just repeat it over and over and over and over and over again. And that is very true. Routine, ritual can get very familiar, maybe even a little boring. When you go over the same old, same old traditions and patterns, they can tend to maybe lose a little bit of life because they're so familiar, right? And within the sacramental tradition, this can be a, a problem. And when the sacramental tradition is only emphasized, is overly emphasized, well, there's some negative things that come from that just outside of being boring. At times, if the sacramental tradition, if it is the only way that we think about the, the way that Christianity should be and act and, and exist in the world, that can get really legalistic real quick, that this is the only way that God has ordained us to be in community, connecting and responding to the grace of God. Right? That kind of way of thinking can get very legalistic. Right? You're either in on this way of doing Christian life and tradition, or you're out. It's this way or the highway. If you overemphasize the sacramental tradition, not only do you get a distinct possibility of legalism, you tend to believe that the Christian faith ought to look very uniform. That we should look and act and 
stand and sit and pray all the same time, that our lives ought to be this way and only this way. And if you act outside of that pattern, you're on the outside. An overemphasis on the sacramental tradition can create a very oppressive uniformity. In addition to that, because there is such an emphasis on communal practice, there can be a tendency to groupthink, that this is the way it has been, this is the way it is, this is the way it forever shall be. And so we do in that pattern always, ever. This is the way. And so anything outside of this way is not in line with what God has for us. When we overemphasize the sacramental tradition, when it is the only tradition that we live and breathe, it can get very oppressive. The thing is, the sacramental tradition recognizes a few things about humanity that are really important and are very true to who we are. That being that we are creatures of habit. Humans are habitual people. We live and breathe routine and ritual, right? On your way here, if you've attended here more than once, most likely you drove the same route to here, hitting the same stoplights, seeing the same shops, knowing exactly when you got to leave home because it takes exactly 22 minutes to get here because I know the route and the pattern to get here. And, most likely, if you have attended here more than once, you usually sit in the same place. It is not surprising to me that the Fulchers and the Hollies sit right there, because every time I speak, I know that they're right there. And same with the Kesslers. The Kesslers are always in that back corner. And my wife and I, we sit in that same exact spot. We are creatures of habit. We find routine and ritual and patterns as comfortable. We find security in them. We find home in them. And it's not just what we do on a Sunday. I, I always get up in the morning and make coffee, and if uh, once I'm done with that, I then move to making breakfast for my kids, and then once I'm done making coffee for Lindsay, then I'm making coffee for myself, and then I start working on kind of the rest of my routine to get me out the door. And if I miss a step in that pattern, not only am I thrown off and feel like I've lost my morning routine, I've totally west with my family, and my family's routine is now off, right? Our patterns are kind of the content of our lives. As humans, we are, we are people and creatures of habit, of ritual, and the sacramental tradition, it, it deeply recognizes that, that this is who we are as humans. We need these types of patterns, rituals, to aim us in the right direction and to form in us the character that moves us towards the kingdom of God. See, our lives as humans are kind of made up of three things, an end to which we are aimed, that we have goals, we have a, a, an ideal in mind that we are trying to reach. 
And we have a desire to reach that end. We have a desire to get to that end point. And then we have all the little steps along the way to get us to that end. My son just turned one, and uh, we got way too many presents, a part of his first birthday, but one of which was a uh, caterpillar that can move and you can uh, pull it along. But on top of this caterpillar uh, is an octave amount of a xylophone. So like, you can hit the buttons and it sounds great and, you know, do re me all the way through. It's up on top of that caterpillar. But if you happen to be around the corner when my son and I are playing with this caterpillar, you would hear no difference between when my son plays it and I play it. <laughs> Zero difference. I have no idea what I'm doing with those eight keys. No idea. I, growing up, did not have any type of desire to be a talented musician. I can't do what Austin and Andrew and Ryan can do. I have no, no skill. I do not have the training as a musician. Becoming a talented musician was never a desire of mine. So it would be foolish of me to think that I can pick up my Caterpillar xylophone and start hitting Twinkle Twinkle Little Star let alone whatever you can do in an octave. I barely know the, the word octave, let alone like what you can do on it. Basketball, on the other hand, I love. And I've loved it since I was two. My parents got us a little tiny hoop, and I would play two points when I was a kid. I'd just run up and start dunking. And ever since I was two, on up until even now, I love basketball. Growing up, I wanted to be a good basketball player. I wanted to be able to shoot and get it in every single time. So I practiced. I had a desire to be good at basketball, and so I practiced. I played every time in the playground when it was recess. Whenever I was done with my homework, and even when I didn't do my homework, I would be outside playing basketball in the driveway or with the kids on my block. I'd be playing with my dad or just by myself, doing layups or shooting free throws or playing around the world. I am well-versed in the language and mechanics of basketball because I love basketball and I desired to be a good basketball player. I did not have the same ends in mind with music. You see, both of these examples, there is an end in mind. Being a talented musician, being good at basketball. And the desire that there, I lacked a desire for music. I had an immense desire for basketball. And so with basketball, I put in the time and the practice, the, the rituals, the training that it takes to be, for me, mediocre at basketball. <laughs> and I did not do that with music. It would be foolish of me to think that right away I can be a wonderful genius of a musician just picking up an instrument. You see, the Christian faith is that pattern that we have an end to which we are called. And our desire as Christians is to move towards that end, the kingdom of God, following Christ, being that example, being that image of God in the world. And so if we have that desire to follow Christ, 
we have that desire to be a part of the kingdom of God, there are practices, there are rituals, there are patterns of life that we ought to inhabit. The original meaning of the word sacrament comes from the word sacramentum, which in the Roman world was the oath or the pledge that Roman soldiers would say in pledging or oathing their allegiance to their military commander, to the Caesar. And this is what early Christians borrowed to help articulate what sacraments are. That by this sign, these words, this pledge, this thing that we repeat, not only upon entry into this group, but repeated over and over again, that would develop the character that would be faithful to a commanding officer, to the Caesar. You see that, right? The end is faithfulness to the commanding officer. And this pledge is the practice of being faithful, creating that character within us that reflects faithfulness to the commanding officer. A few years later, St. Augustine would say, and make this really simple for us, that the sacraments, that they are an external sign of an inward grace. They are this thing that we do outwardly to reflect what has happened, what is developing on the inside. But notice the word there that Augustine uses, the word sign. When we think of signs, we think of the thing that points towards the destination. We see signs that help direct us, that form our driving or our journey. They're not the destination of themselves, but they point towards the greater thing, our destination. Once Augustine helped clarify this for us, there have been years and years of debate around what is a sacrament? What, is, what has God ordained as these special means of grace in the world? A guy named Martin Luther comes around and says, the, Ro- the way that the Roman Catholic Church has been doing this, not so great. We need to, we need to do some changing, some reform- reforming. Thus, the Protestant Reformation. And since then, Protestants, in which the Church of the Nazarene kind of is under that umbrella, has said there are two central sacraments, Eucharist, in which we're going to participate today, and baptism. But the other traditions in Christianity, they, they not only have two, they have, they have seven, seven sacraments, which they call sacred practices that help us understand our life in connection with God and the means to creating character for that ultimate end that is the kingdom of God. You see, when, when Protestants started going their own way and we, we started diluting and watering down these practices, we lost some of the meaning. We lost some of the importance, the shaping that comes with them. You see, when we underemphasize these sacraments, when we, when we don't involve them into our understanding of Christianity or Christian tradition or our faith practice, 
our faith can get distorted, in particular in two ways. And I see this first one so often in students, college students, high school students, junior hires. And this particularly happens at camp, right? That you go to camp, you go to a different place, and you, you find Jesus, you find God on the mountaintop, right? That you go and you're so involved in, with people and learning about Jesus and what this whole Christian life is about that you get on fire for God, right? You've heard that language? That we go to the mountaintop to find God, and it's in these experiences, these on-fire mountaintop experiences where God is to be found, just in these eventful moments. And so when we subsequently walk down the mountain, maybe into the valley, we, we, we continue to keep God up on that mountain, not seeing the way that God shows up in other places. That God is to be found there, and when I don't feel like I'm on fire for God, when I don't have that mountaintop aliveness, there must be something wrong. I must be distant. I must have screwed up. I, like this, I don't feel it the way that I used to. And so there, there is an issue at hand. I have done something because God, I should be in the Spirit in that way. This mountaintop experience becomes where God is found, and God doesn't exist in the other places. God is to be found there in that experience, this brilliance, this event. The other thing that happens is that we see that it's really this journey of faith, it's just God and I. Now, one-on-one relationship with God is centrally important, but it is not everything. And when we do not emphasize the sacramental tradition, it just tends to be God and I and me and God on this wire. And then if I'm not feeling it, if I'm not in that on-fire mode, like this isn't working, and I fall. And it's easy to fall even further away. The sacramental tradition keeps us surrounded, not just by a community that participates, but a long tradition that helps shape our lives. You see, a healthy understanding, a healthy integration of the sacramental tradition, I think, is connected to the way that Jesus exists and shows up for us in Jesus' nature. In John 1, we see that, and it's right out of the gate, that the divine, the, the, the mystery, the the God that is beyond our imagination, that is in hidden holiness, is incarnated, takes on flesh, comes and hangs out with us humans in our mundane, routine patterns. That the, the God, the creator of all, takes on flesh, is 100% God, and 100% human. So that there, in Jesus, there is no difference between God and human. That this pattern, this 
way of thinking about Christ is probably the way that we should think about our sacraments. Like, as I mentioned, the, the two sacraments that the Protestant church has said, these are the sacraments, Eucharist, Lord's Supper, communion. If you break it down, it's a meal. It's us taking and eating and drinking. And all throughout the New Testament, in particular the Gospel of Luke, you see time and time again when Jesus is doing his teachings, when he's giving his parables, the setting, the background, is at a table sharing a meal with his disciples. And not just his disciples, but those who are seen as unclean, as seen as sinners, unworthy to be at the same table as such an amazing rabbi. But you see Jesus also, not only with his disciples, not also with those who are unclean, but the people, the Pharisees, who eventually want to kill Jesus. He is sitting at a table with friends, with those he's reaching out to, and with his enemies. And Jesus is just breaking bread, having lunch, teaching, giving parables that reflect the kingdom of God, the thing that we are desiring and moving towards. It would not be inappropriate for us this morning to set up chairs around this table because it truly reflects a meal. In early Christianity, they would, ha they would have a potluck. <laughs> they would do Sunday morning barbecue. They'd bring their meals together and they would eat and they would share in the lives together, reflecting on Jesus' teaching, the miracles that he did. They would spend time eating, drinking, being together, sharing life together, the very mundane, common thing of eating lunch. In my work at the university, this is hyperbolic, I know, but I would say and still do that maybe the most holy place is not Brown Chapel or Prescott Prayer Chapel, but rather the most holy place at Point Loma's campus is the calf. Because it's at those tables that so much life is shared, eating from the same source, sustaining each other from the same food, discussing the, the deep things of life, of their studies, of the study guides that they're creating, of the experiences that they've had. I'm convinced the calf is the most holy place at Point Loma, at the university, because it's what's reflected in this meal, this very common, mundane, routine thing that we do every day, three times a day, is eat. So around our own dinner tables, around our conference tables at work, that is the background for some of the most sacred moments. And this meal reminds us that it's in these spaces that God shows up, that in the mundane, the sacred shows up and reveals the kingdom of God, that this is the environment in which God is working. Our baptism. Baptism is the second sacrament that the Protestant church says is this is the really important ritual. And if you were an alien walking into a baptismal service, you would just say, oh, they're just taking baths. Baptism is just a sacred bath. 
we, we dip somebody in water and they are now wet and clean, right? They've emerged out of the water cold and yet cleaned off. This is what's happening in the kingdom of God, that God is baptizing us, bathing us, cleaning us off from the impurities of, the, of that old nature, that old creation, is what Paul says. That when we are baptized, that, that old self is literally drowned in the water and we are raised to new life. So when you are in the shower or when you are bathing, a very common thing, not for junior hires at camp, but for us in normal life, when we are cleaning ourselves, let us remind ourselves that it is, it is Christ who truly cleanses us, who washes away the memory, the habits, the patterns of our old self and brings us into a new understanding of who we are, a new pattern to live into. A very common thing, bathing, brought into a new understanding, a new habit, at least a new understanding of that habit. In the Roman, uh, Roman Catholic Church and the Greek Orthodox tradition, uh, one of their seven sacraments is the sacrament of matrimony, of marriage. And this, too, is a reflection of God's work in the world. You see, in the sacrament of marriage, what is being revealed is God's character, God's intention with us, right? In marriage, we make vows that this, this thing that me and my spouse get into, it's a forever thing. Through sickness and in health, through rich and poor, through all the stuff, the unknown, the terrible things that could be thrown our way, it's you and me. This is a sacrament because it reveals God's intention. That no matter what, God is with us. And if you've ever been married, you know that like, there's, there's some really high highs, but there's some grit to work through. And there's unknown that come your way. And it's not easy. Because the life of faith is not always easy. There are valley moments. And so this, the sacrament of marriage is, in, in those traditions, put out as a, as a sacrament because of the reflection of who God is in the world, that God is un, utterly faithful to us, no matter what. You see, when we have a sacramental vision for this world, and what God is doing in and through us. We tend to see the mundane, the routine, as places and environments for the sacred, for the way that God can show up in mysterious ways, teaching us, reminding us of who we are, and reminding us of the character of God, that we are being shaped and formed towards the particular end that is the coming kingdom of God that is now and not yet, that we participate in, that we become followers of Christ, of virtue and of character, reflecting as 2 Timothy says, love and faith in Christ, love and fidelity, love and trust in Christ. And we see in the mundane things this 
sacredness, right? As, as a church, we have said we're going to follow the, the Christian calendar, and by, by that we make sacred colors. We're in ordinary time, which is, it's a time, the great name, but like we wish we could have done a little bit better than that, but we, we put green everywhere because this is a reflection of the season that we're in, a time of growth and development. The ordinary is found in that development, and the sacred is right alongside. As we continue to see our lives with this sacramental vision, let us remind ourselves that even in those mundane, common things, God shows up, calling us to the kingdom and setting for us a formation, a pattern for which we can live into. As the worship band comes up, let us pray. Lord, we are so thankful for these common elements, these things of of our habits, of, of eating, of bathing, of relationships. Lord, allow us to see the ways that these common elements of our lives, color and art, of tables and chairs, that these become places in which we can reflect on who you are and who you've called us to be. So form us and shape us into a people who are faithful to you and to your kingdom. Pray all of this in your name. Amen.